Life is hard when you don't know who you are. It's harder when you don't know what you are. My love carries a death sentence. I was lost for years, searching while hiding, only to find that I belong to a world hidden from humans. I won't hide anymore. I will live the life I choose. This is episode 47 of Fatalist, a podcast devoted to the supernatural series Lost Girl and all things sci-fi, supernatural, fantasy, and horror. As always, my name is Dave. How you doing, Wayne? And as always, my name is Wayne, and I'm great, Dave. All right. So uh, I'll tell you, I, I really feel very bad this week because I, I haven't been watching anything. That you should feel bad. You should I, I mean, feel I mean, guilty I, and ashamed. It's, it's uh, funny that we have a, a movie with such Catholic overtones to it that you should be feeling shame the same week you watch the others. Well, that's, uh, that's a good point. Uh, now, I did see that, but... I don't know what the heck I've been doing with my time. I sound like uh, Hugh Grant's character in uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Oh, yeah. No, you know, when he finds out the girl he likes uh, has had sex with like 47 people, and he's like, I don't know what the heck I've been doing with my time. You know, I'm sure you've been watching something. Yes, uh, I've been watching. Actually, Warehouse 13, I was watching. And this is going to lead into a little mini rant. So I apologize to all our listeners in advance. Should we tell them what we're talking about this week before I get in this mini rant, by the way? Absolutely. Okay. Well, go ahead, Dave. It's your all idea. Right. It's your baby. So run with it. All right. All right. We're, you know, since we've been talking about ghosts and the dearth of ghosts on TV, other than being human, and I think we went through that, that we can't really think of any others. We decided to talk about, you know, arguably one of the finer ghost movies of, you know, Pick pick the number of years, but uh, the others starring Nicole Kidman, and we'll get into the details uh, in a little bit. Yeah, certainly of the the aughts, uh, probably the best ghost movie of the aughts, and it came early. All right, what's your rant? So here's my rant. Okay, so um, I'm watching Warehouse 13, and you know seasons one through three are all on Netflix, so we're good to go, right? Okay. Um, <clears throat> I realized as sci-fi was running season four, I was, I started thinking about that. I might want to watch uh, warehouse 13. So I started DVRing it every week, even though I knew I wouldn't watch it for a, a, quite a while. And I got uh, 10 episodes, the last 10 episodes uh, recorded, which I thought is great because there's each season only has 13 episodes. So that's only three episodes. I have to try and chase down. I could probably just, you know, buy I'm, I'm six bucks. I'm willing to spend that on Amazon Prime or whatever to, to get them, right? So we're still yeah. good. So season three ends, and I go and look on, uh, like, you know, I think just Wikipedia, whatever, I found out that there's actually 20 episodes of Warehouse 13 uh, season four. So now I'm like, oh, God. So now that's 10 episodes. I'm like, that's 20 bucks. If I, you know, buy all those episodes on Amazon Prime, I mean, I might as well just buy the dvd at that point right, I said, no, well, they, they don't have that at the library yet they do actually that's that's oh. actually the uh the way i'm going i've uh I, i'm in queue there's like one person in front of me in uh, baltimore county that uh will get it so I, i'm expecting sometime next week i'll get it but here's where the rant comes in so i uh i go i feel well you know some of these got to be on on demand maybe i'll get lucky and like the first five or on on demand or something because on demand they don't sci-fi channel doesn't even have warehouse 13 on demand 
at all. Not one episode. Yeah, I mean, I you know, again, not to interrupt your rant, but uh, I've got a little mini rant of my own related to sci-fi. But but you continue. I'll wait. Okay, till well, I continue. So so this just brings up old issues because uh, the previous week, right? I'm watching. Actually, I guess it's two weeks ago. So I'm watching Primeval New World, one episode a week. Right? We're all good to go with that. Right? All of a sudden, sci-fi says, "Oh." Let's have a marathon and sh- with like six episodes left. Let's show the whole season in one day, right? Okay. okay. I'm f- usually I'd be fine with that, except for because I'm just watching one a week and deleting it. After I watch it, I only have my you know it's set up for Primeval New World to keep five episodes. So. Bam, bam, bam. You know, I get actually out of the last six, I have five of the last six episodes is basically what I have. And the one episode I don't have is guess what? You got the very last episode. You know, and I'm just like, why would they, why would they do that? They were, they're going along fine, nice clip showing it one. Well, I know why they did because I guess it wasn't getting good ratings. So they're like, okay, well, here we'll, we can say we showed the whole series and yet still be able to show our crappy whatever reality show. Well, not. I'm sure. I don't know. I don't. Well, like, well now like was it was shows. it a ratings issue? That, I don't know. Uh, I, I assume it was, but I, don't, I mean, but but it led to the you know the I don't know if you call that cancellation of the show. I guess. Well, definitely. Well, the its original cancellation in Canada was definitely a, a ratings issue. I just assume that the reason they were just showing it once a week, then all of a sudden with six episodes left, show all it all in one day is because it wasn't doing well, and so they just wanted to get it out of the way so they could show other stuff. I mean, I assume that's what the deal was, but it's just mm. really annoying. you know. And, of course, again, so I'm like, all right, well, they'll have the last couple episodes at least on, on demand, right? <clears throat> Wrong again. You know, they don't have Primeval New World. They don't, uh, it's just ridiculous. If I want well, to watch Paranormal Witness, I could probably watch a zillion episodes at once, but... Well, I think what makes it equally or especially frustrating is that this is the sci-fi channel, right? I mean, by the nature of the beast, you know, you know, you have a, a, a niche audience and you have to know that people are going to do what you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, instead of making it easy for you so that you'll keep coming back. No. Yeah. I, I really am put off. You know, overall with the sci-fi channel. All right, right well, well, now, you know, I, I mentioned to you, sci-fi ran a two-hour backdoor pilot movie recently called Rewind, which was time travel. And basically it was setting up, you know, backdoor pilot, which is a pilot for a potential show. But if it doesn't get picked up, the movie can more or less stand on its own, which is what this was. Basically, their promotional uh, output for this was one tweet. Okay. Yeah, now, I was saying, I, like, you know, I, I, you know, with, yeah, I watch sci fi. I, I mean, not super big time, but I mean, I've seen nothing about that. I was, I'd never even heard of it until you mentioned it the other day. Yeah. And I just stumbled across it on, you know, one of the sites that, that, you know, I watched somebody posted about it. And, you know, I've done a little bit of reading and basically the reviews I've read were, were that it was, you know, it was pretty good. It was decent. But the frustrating part for the reviewers that I read was the same frustrations you and I feel that, okay, we've got a decent sci-fi vehicle. Let's cancel it and add more WWE wrestling. 
Yeah. So, you know, this is, yeah, it's just, it's frustrating. You know, the, the networks are all trying to figure out how do we combat piracy? How do we, how do we do that? How can we get people to watch our shows? How can we make money with people watching normal TV? Well, they do ass headed things like this and that just, you know, more and more people, it's just going to drive them into the welcome arms of piracy. Yeah. I, I mean, just do what a lot of networks do. Just put the ads in, make it so that we can't fast forward through them and, What's the big or problem? Put it on, flip it online, right? Like, well, like, oh, that's another. You can't even get it online. You go to Sci-Fi Channel, right? Full yeah. episodes. Oh no, they have like these little mini about the show. You know, like you could get something about each episode, but you can't get the episode itself on Sci-Fi. It's like, yeah. you know, it's just just ridiculous. Like, you well, just, yeah, I mean, and really, when Lost was airing, they had every season, every episode available on abc.com see that's now, what i'm talking about right now granted you had to sit through you know a minute or so of commercials every whatever but fine that, that's a minute commercials you're you would not watch if you dvr'd it right. right so you think they would encourage that right so i i just don't understand it and yeah. okay all right i'm done on the rant makes, so, makes uh, no sense so anyway uh as far as talking about uh, there's just one other thing i wanted to mention about um like stuff i'm watching uh, is that I, fi- I wanted to see this movie for a long, long time because I, it sounded cool. I thought it looked cool. I lo- it had Jake Gyllenhaal in it. I like him. Called uh, a Zodiac. You, you ever seen it or heard about this? No. Uh-uh. So I guess back in, in the 70s, there was, was in San Francisco. Oh, the Zodiac Killer. The Zodiac Killer, right. Um, and so it, it's funny because actually every time they threw a date up there, like, like actually... I think one of the murders took place on the day I was born or something like that. Like they, they threw it up there and I was like, Whoa, that's, that's crazy. So, um, you know, each time I was thinking, how old? Oh, I was like five years old then I was seven years old then, you know, cause it, it covers like 20 years. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, you think it's going to be kind of like a silence of the lambs, tracking down the baddie, find the you know, killer, proving that he's a killer, all this stuff. And it really wasn't. <laughs> You know, I mean, it kind of was, but it's really more about like the obsession that this uh, this reporter. Well, actually, he's not even a reporter; he's a, a political cartoonist. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal plays, and actually, Robert Downey plays a, uh, a reporter. Um, and how their obsession with this killer, you know, how it affected their lives, which was okay. I mean, it was an interesting movie, but it definitely wasn't the movie I was expecting it to be. So. Now, see, if I had been the one that was just saying that, you could have, when I said Robert Downey Jr., you could have come in with a couple of verses of Iron Man. All right. Our listeners probably aren't that old. So. Oh, that song's a classic. Everyone knows yeah, that song. Absolutely. All right. Anything else? Because I don't have anything. Uh, I mean, yeah, still, I actually, I haven't really watched, I I haven't watched Under the Dome in a bit. I guess I'm getting a little tepid about that show slightly, but Broadchurch is really good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a couple episodes behind on that, but my, my DVR did record them. Okay. So I just want, you know, there is a moment in this week's episode of Broadchurch where David Tennant has a genuine doctor moment, like he, for just for a little bit. He's the doctor, like totally, oh. like, and I know he did it on purpose. You know, like, oh, it's okay. not so, you know, I thought you were going to say like maybe that he had some female companionship. What? Well, he he does have a female companion, right? Is okay. the uh, Di Miller is his um, 
He's kind of like his companion. So, but you know, there's one thing he has like a little like where he talks really fast, like the doctor would. And he's like, I, I, I was making finger quotes when I said companion. Uh, you yeah. couldn't see those through the. No, I couldn't. I couldn't okay. see them through the through the internet. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think I think that's it. All right, actually. All right. Well, you know, a little bit of news, and it's it's kind of. Again, more preparation for the fall season. You know, there's not a lot happening out there in the sci-fi TV world. So uh, if you've never been to this website, it's called Blaster, B-L-A-S-T-R.com. And I, and I get a lot of news from them, so I'm, I'm certainly going to give them credit for what I'm about to say because what they've got on, on the site now, five new fall shows that you got to see. And most of them we've talked about. And number one is, of course, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I know you're excited about that, probably more so than I am. I mean, I'll give it a shot because, you know, Joss Whedon and... Right. And, and you've now seen Avengers, so... You- I've seen Avengers and enjoyed it a lot and, and saw the first two Iron Man movies and, and really enjoyed them a lot. So I'm definitely going to give it a shot. Um and and that uh, comes out, what, September, what is that, uh, September 24th, uh, 8 o'clock, and that's on ABC. Now, the the one that- Ooh, you know, there's you, like, that's like September 24th and 25th is big. Oh, very big, yep. Wow. Um, actually, I just realized, let's see, 8 o'clock on Tuesday, wow, that's going to be up against NCIS. <laughs> now, that, you know- that, as long as there's not a big trial on court TV, I think you'll be all right with DVRing it, right? Well, well, no, but my point is, I mean, NCIS, uh, you know, most shows, the ratings go down as, you know, you get into the fourth, fifth, sixth, if you're lucky, seventh. I mean, now I, I believe NCIS is about to begin its 10th season. I mean, they're approaching 20 million viewers still. So I, I guess my point would be, uh, boy, I feel sorry for the third network. Yeah. You know, because I think Shield's going to have a big audience, certainly initially. initially. And NCIS, you know, I think a lot of those fans are not going to be drawn to Shield. Right. So, wow. All right. Yeah. Let's have Fox and who's left out in the cold here? uh, Must be NBC. Yeah, NBC. Well, (laughs) so. They had their run back in the 90s. Right. Now, speaking of NBC, the the next show they mentioned, and I can't remember if we talked about this because I keep forgetting about this show. It's going to premiere on Friday, October 25th, and it's going to be at 10 o'clock, Dracula. We, you know, you know, we talked about it briefly, I think, when they were just a long... You, you just mentioned it, I think, in the news. Yeah. Like a long time, just in past. I don't even know if they they casted yet. You know, I mean, that the description that, you know, that they've got here is that... Uh, uh, the series takes place in the late 19th century when Dracula arrives in London, posing as an American entrepreneur who seeks to bring modern science to Victorian England. Yeah, I mean, it sounds good. I mean, they have more description. It almost sounds like a, a little bit... Uh, you said that sounded good? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, it, it, maybe it'll be like really steampunkish and that would be cool. Well, and, and you never know. I mean, if you think about like with Sanctuary, you know, the scenes when you saw... Uh, you know, you know the the four scientists. You know when they initially injected the vampire blood back in sure. the Victorian era. So yeah, I mean it. It certainly could be cool. Uh, it it now, could be. It depends how they go. Because like you know, my my concern is how often the, the the modern day vampire is depicted. You know, often sure. like the the whole Twilight effect is really right. taking the, if you'll forgive the cliche, taking the teeth out of the vampire. You know. 
Sure. So, and, and, uh, and they're going to have to come up with, you might say, a more adult approach, and, and we'll see. And, and I think certainly we'll probably give it a look at and, uh, you know, maybe do it in a pilot preview. Now, the one. Yeah, what that, the hell? You got nothing else to do, right? Well, right until Lost Girl starts up again. Now, the one we did say we were going to do a pilot preview that, that previews September 16th, which is one of the earlier premieres, is Sleepy Hollow. And that's going to be on Fox at nine o'clock on Mondays. Was Giant Depp in that? Uh, he is not. Um, I'm not sure who's in it. Tom Meissen. I don't know who that is. Do but I. Uh, the modern day reimagining of the Washington Irving classic. So, mm. you know, I, I like that approach. I mean, again, it's something different. So, yeah, it sounds like it could be kind of like once upon a time ish, you know. Uh, and that's been very enjoyable. Right. Now, yeah, yeah, all, yeah I, I, I'm not, that wasn't a judgment on it. I'm just saying it just kind of sounds like it. Okay. Now, almost human. Uh, which we yeah, talked about. That's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah. I think. Now that's Fox, and that's not premiering until November 4th, and that's going to mm. also be uh, Monday night, uh, but at eight o'clock. And uh, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, which is the spinoff. Let's see, that's going to be on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Now, uh, they also list a couple shows of interest. And, and one, again, we've mentioned the originals, which is a spinoff from the Vampire Diaries, which. You know, I think we enjoyed it, but not not enough to watch the whole series. Though, though now, I, I've I've heard from reliable sources that it gets to be pretty good. The Vampire Diaries. Yeah, that it's that the uh, the pilot is is like it gets it it gets better from the pilot. Okay. That the pilot is, is not representative of the tone of the show. Okay. Now the other one, and again, I think we've mentioned this in passing, the Tomorrow People which is sort of a, an evolutionary tale for the human race where, you know, you've got all these people. It sound, it, it, they develop powers, and you know, it sounds very heroish. But it, it's funny because it's actually, I think, the third or fourth attempt at revisiting this story. So Yeah, plus the Bob Marley song. Uh, yeah. Now, which I would uh, say, except for I just know, like, the tomorrow people. I don't know anything else besides okay. that song. All right, now... Uh, one more that I, again, I'm not sure how I missed. It's going to be on BBC America, premiering Saturday, November 23rd. What's, what else is going to be on Saturday, November 23rd? Um, I believe, uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Maybe, is that is that Orphan Black premiere? Uh, no, I'm, I don't I'm, think that's I'm, come back I'm until joking. 2014. I'm just joking, Dave. It's- I know. <laughs> I know. All right. It's a, the, even I know that's Doctor Who. Yeah. So well, of course uh, you know. I mean, of course you know. Yeah. Now this is, even I know. Now this is going to be at ten o'clock, and it's so called, it's right after Doctor Who. Then probably right. It's called Atlantis, mm. and it's thirteen episode fantasy series that follows young Jason as he arrives at the strange ancient ancient city of Atlantis, uh, full of bull leaping of reptile haired goddesses and palaces so vast it was said they were built by giants, and this comes from uh, blaster as well so you know a lot of new shows that i think will you know make up for the lull that we seem to have had the last couple months yeah well yeah yeah so here we're just like nothing 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 and then all of a sudden bam we're gonna be inundated yep but so. that sounds you know all the shows sound really good that, that land sounds intriguing and i'll be watching bbc america already anyway so you know yep might as well keep so. it on all right. Well, why don't we uh, quit messing around and get to, you know, the the main thrust of tonight's right, show, do. which is the 2001 film called The Others. And uh, you know, I, I, Wayne's going to do a, a little Project X in a second, 
but let me just kind of lead into you know why that's important. Now, the writer director Alejandro Amen Amenabar, a mini bar, a mini bar, a mini bar. Okay, uh, Chilean who grew up in Spain, and, and like you and I were talking well, today, half Chilean, half half Spanish. She has dual yeah, citizenship, I'm, I believe. I mean, this film did great. Seventeen million dollar budget, and it brought in close to two hundred and twenty million at the box office, and yet he's barely been heard of since. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, what? Like, what was it? Two thousand nine was his last uh, movie. And it's not like his. You know, he's he's not doing it because you know his movies were crap. I mean, he's. He, well, he I won- don't know why he's not. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. You, know, you you might look and say, oh well, he had a string of failed movies, and and. Um, that's why, but, uh, in, in reality, his movies have, you know, have at least, at least kind of very critically, um, been very well received. He, he won an, uh, uh, Oscar here in America. Um, his, in Spain, his movies are, are very successful. Um, he, he won like a, you know, the, the Spanish version of the Oscar, he won like for best movies and stuff. Okay. So, you know, just to kind of lead in, I mean, it is a ghost story. And again, we I think we've been alerting you guys for a couple weeks now. This, if you haven't seen the movie, then just be prepared that that we're going to reveal everything. And well, like as I said when we talked about Inception, and I would even more so encourage you right now if you have not seen the others, you, first you should see it. But if if you have no plans on seeing it. Continue to listen, but if there's even the slightest chance that you might want to see this movie, please do not listen any further because there are huge, huge, massive, massive spoilers that would I, I would be very upset if it were me that I heard these things. Yes, and, and to be honest, and not to get into the movie discussion already because you know you still got to do your thing, uh, it's just done so well. I mean, the the reveals come so smoothly, so unexpectedly that. Uh, I, I just I know we both can't say enough, but uh, right. Um, all right. So, Wayne, so yeah, you- like I was actually listening to a podcast the other day, and they were like, "Okay, now this is." I was actually I was listening to Hex, and they started talking about the Almighty Johnsons, and they said how the Almighty Johnsons is going to be on Sci-Fi. So I'm like, "Oh, well, I want to watch it then." So usually I would just listen to their Almighty Johnsons discussion because I, it's like New Zealand. I don't think it's ever coming to the states, whatever. So they say that, and then I'm like. And then they say, well, we're gonna, there's going to be spoilers. So I swear, like, literally before my thumb can get to the fast forward button, they just blurt out, like, this huge spoiler. I'm like, what? Like, really? Like, give me a chance to at least hit pause on my iPod before you go and blurt it out, you know? I was annoyed by that. But now, anyway. Now, now, was it the major, like, was it the reveal of who they really are? Or is that? Well, oh, no, yeah. that's, that's. That's common knowledge. I think that's common knowledge. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Like you could see that in the Wikipedia page, where like right away they do that. Um, but it's something I can't like unhear. And like, well, everything else they've ever said about the show, I don't totally don't remember this one detail. I'm, I'm never going to forget now, just because it's like, bam, it was like pegged, you know. So anyway, um, before I get started, part two, <laughs> um, I have a there's a special place in my heart for the others, and it is for this reason: is because the others was. One of the first two DVDs I ever bought, believe it or not. All right. I got, uh, when I first bought a, uh, a, a DVD player back in 2002, actually, then I was into like Best Buy, bought a DVD player, figured, hey, maybe I should buy some DVDs to go along with it. So I got uh, 
Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and the others were like the first two DVDs. Uh, see, I took a slightly different approach. Yeah, I think you'll like this. Um, you know, same thing. Went to Best Buy, uh, bought a DVD player, thought, all right, I'll buy a DVD. Okay, so I come home. Now, uh, my wife had been talking, you know, about uh, about a soundtrack uh, that she just loved. And, and she thought, well, I'll probably love the movie as well. And that movie was, of course, uh, Some Kind of Wonderful. Oh, so, that's, so, a, that's a great call, man. So I, I come love in, that movie. So I, you know, I say, hey, I got you something at Best Buy. Give her the DVD. And she's like, oh, this is great. This is great. And then you see the uh, wheels turning. It's like, well, how are we going to watch it? We don't have a DVD player. I'm like, uh, yes, we do. Uh, that's the catch. <laughs> yep. So, uh, all right. And right. there's even a sci-fi tie-in, right? Um, uh, Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz, yes. Yeah. Caprica, yes. Right. Yep. So. All right. Anyway, why don't you uh, take it away with Project okay. X? So we talked about Alejandro Eminibar, um, and and his, you know, how he's kind of. Oh, also, there's another science fiction tie-in because he was one of the writers for Vanilla Sky. Which, oh, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Did you ever see that? I did. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it was okay. Yeah, it was one that certainly requires multiple viewings to determine whether or not it's any good. Or uh, I wasn't willing to watch that one the second time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, just all right. So anyway, uh, the first one I'd like to talk about Jersey. Not Joysy, but Jersey, the island uh, right off the coast of Normandy that is a part of the UK, actually. It's very close to France, but it's actually a part of the UK because... Uh, obviously, the Duke of Normandy, it still belongs to... I didn't realize there still is a Duke of Normandy. Did you realize that? I didn't. Like, the Queen is still Duke of Normandy. Wow. Well, I guess maybe she'd be Duchess. I don't know. But uh, So there is still a Duke of Normandy, like, passed down from freaking William the Conqueror. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So because she is the Duke of Normandy, the Queen is, at least not only, the ruler of Jersey. So that's why... But Jersey has its own parliament and everything its own money its own economy it is only like kind of like very tenuously a part it's not it's not a part of the uk at all but uh the uk is responsible for its protection though during world war ii that protection involved to not protecting it <laughs> and just completely leave, though they did evacuate so a lot of these things are mentioned in there um that certainly when I first saw the others and she said, I just assumed like Jersey, I, I didn't even know where Jersey was. I assumed it was, you know, maybe a, a small place, you know, right on like right in England, like in the UK and the British Isles. Um, so when she starts talking about the occupation, I remember the first time I saw it, I said like, what is this some kind of alternate reality uh, movie or something like that where the, the Nazis like conquered or yeah, it was really weird. So I go look it up and find out that in the Nazis did indeed occupy uh, Jersey throughout from July 1st, 1940 until the day they, uh, till May 9th, 1945, the, the day they, they, uh, surrendered. surrendered. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. So, you know, Jersey was like one of the last places in Europe to be liberated. Like people, apparently the British were just like, eh, they're all right. Right. And uh, this is important because that this is where the story takes place. Right. And so like this whole idea of Nicole Kidman's character being, cut off and isolated, you know, um, comes from, though there were like out of the 50,000 residents of Jersey, only like 6,000 evacuated. Um, certainly she made sound like more people, um, 
evacuate and everything, but that, that was uh, not the case. Um, like most people, most, most people stayed there. And I think that's it. Oh, well, one thing that's like, uh, you know, just like with the, uh, as they did in London, is they evacuated a lot of children from the uh, the Channel Islands. There's more, there's, uh, Jersey's part of the Channel Islands. So they evacuated a, a lot of the children and some of them actually uh, went to live in America. But that also goes in, in with the, the children being forced to, to stay uh, at the house and everything because they are victims of xerodema pigmentosum which is the, the, that thing they have where they're, they're, she says they're allergic to sunlight. I mean, that's an actual condition. Um, 40% of the, the people who have this disease, like fewer than 40% uh, survive beyond the age of 20 because it's obviously a very, very deadly disease. And I imagine a fair few people die as infants um, because they, they see sunlight and they immediately develop cancer, like skin cancer mm. from it. Um, so it's a very uh, nasty condition. Well, I shouldn't say disease. It's not a disease. It's a genetic condition. There's no cure for it at all, um, except for as the you know as uh, as Grace's uh, solution is to um, you know to to keep sunlight out entirely, um, which again brings in more of this isolation that we'll, we'll talk about later. You know there there are some this is like just call like XP uh, as a acronym but so XP victims with uh, so less severe cases sometimes live well into their forties um, but you know it's obviously this is very if you have if you're you're born with this it's it's very difficult to manage um, I thought it's interesting that they're called children of the night oh wow right because you know, they yeah yeah for obvious reasons yeah. but which we'll get into in a little bit. So again, and these things, when you start looking at this, you're like, oh, that makes sense. And now you see how like symbolically it like, you know, kind of ties in everything. Uh, so the last thing, so now, uh, once again, limbo is rearing its ugly head. <laughs> this is like the third or fourth time we've talked about limbo on the yeah. show, like and everything. So, um, so just as a brief refresher for those of you who weren't paying attention, like probably like three, four weeks ago, last time we talked about limbo is that and and grace actually repeats this throughout how there are that limbo is actually kind of like a part of the of hell it's part of the underworld um so you have the actual um uh the actual hell of the damned right mm -hmm. gehenna which is what uh you know the inferno that uh, dante describes okay uh then you have purgatory so the people who are just trying to purge their sins and have Potential of moving on, right? Right, sure. And then uh, you have the limbo of the fathers or the patriarchs, which is where the the righteous people who died before Christ was born or before Christ saved the world uh, are. And then you have the limbo of the infants, which is uh, for limbo for uh, babies that are born before they have a chance to be baptized. And um, Annie mentions that because she says to her mother, um, you know, uh, if if I've been baptized, so how can I go to limbo? Oh, 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 spoiler. Spoiler. Is that a spoiler? Well, I mean, we should at least, you know, get into the story before. Right. But, I mean, we, we gave a pretty good spoiler warning already. So no, I know. Okay. So if, if anyone's listening now, it, it's on their own head for sure. Okay. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about, but we had pretty much said, and, and you know, I, I did a little bit of digging, try and find, um, you know, you know, TV ghost shows that aren't like reality shows, right? And there's like, and those are huge now, obviously. Oh yeah, like we we talked about like Paranormal Witness and everything like that. Right. I really, you know, it's like, 
okay, I'm not saying I don't believe in ghosts. Okay, I have a feel like I have an open mind, and there's more things in heaven and earth that are dreamt of in my philosophy. But you know, like a show that purports that it's going to actually film evidence, I just, I just don't. It just seems like, from what I've seen in these shows, it's just like a right. crock of poo. Well, and and <laughs> I know, guess like, I just don't buy it. I, and, I don't. and I guess what gets me is that yeah, okay, fine. There's one show like that. Okay, okay, maybe fine. Let's two shows, but uh, you know, I mean, there got to be at least four. Yeah, I mean, you had there's Ghost a, Hunters, Ghost Hunters International. There, there's there's a ton. I, I think there's more than four. Ghost Mine. I yeah, know, uh, yeah, like Sci-Fi is coming up with like new ones next season. So you know, they're canceling. You know, Warehouse Thirteen and Primeval is show the new reality ghost show, like reality ghost show. Just yeah. think about that. <laughs> think about that sentence, that yeah. statement, that that phrase right there. So, anyway, right. so there's right. my another rant on on for Wayne tonight. All right. So now, uh, you know, the movie was made in 2001, like we said, and you know, Wayne obviously talked about Jersey because that's where the story takes place in this stately mansion, which is behind you, know, the, you know, the iron fence, and you know, clearly whoever lives there is well off, has some money. And we're introduced to Nicole Kidman, whose character is Grace Stewart, and her two children, uh, Annie and Nicholas. Uh, uh, Annie, played by, I, I assume it's pronounced Alakina Mann, and then James Bentley played Nicholas Stewart. And, and again, you know, you and I were talking about the fact that the, the kids, because, you know, uh, Nicholas is probably, what do you think, five, six? He, yeah, he looks like he's probably, well, okay. Um, Annie is making her first communion, so that would make her like uh, seven like or eight. eight, seven, eight years old. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nicholas looks like he's probably like two years younger than she is, so okay. you know, let's say five, six years old. Yeah. Okay, and and they, I thought they were wonderful. I mean, you know, whatever it called for, whether it was uh, fright, uh, whether it was uh, fear of uh, same thing, uh, whether it was you know confusion. You know, I thought they were they were wonderful, and neither of them's really done anything since. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that is yeah weird. They they they're, they're maybe they could have had a big because it's a Spanish film. I mean, that's the thing you think about the others. You think it's an English film? No, it's not. It's a Spanish film. Right now, yeah. now they're all English actors. Right. Oh yeah, everyone. It's, well, it's completely She's Australian. Yeah. Right. But but it's it's completely in English. Um, it's set in a English speaking European place you know so everything about it is is very british but it's a spanish production through and through you know right and then uh christopher eccleston who we know as the ninth doctor the ninth yes ninth doctor uh plays the husband charles stewart okay so uh you know we're set with the scene where the husband it's 1945 and the husband has been missing in action in World War II. Yeah, and right till now I didn't I didn't put that together. Charles Stewart. Like 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 Charles the, the first, like you know, the Stuart oh, Kings, like everything okay. like that. I wonder if there's there's something to that. There might be. Yeah, there absolutely could be. Okay. So uh you know Grace and her two children are, you know, living alone in this big house. And you know, I, I think we're led to believe that the servants have just left them. Right. right. Yeah. She said that they just, she, she said, she actually literally says that they've disappeared in the thin air. Right. Um, which, uh, you know, right. That's then, not exactly what happened, Gracie, but yeah. Right. But, uh, of course there's a knock on the door and Mrs. Mills 
Mr. Tuttle and Lydia show yeah. up. And, and at this point, we got to say Fianola Flanagan. She was awesome. Yeah. Yes, uh, and you know you know her as uh, Eloise Hawking from Lost and Mayor Nikki in Defiance. And Mr. Tuttle uh, was in, uh, you saw this, I didn't, uh, Harry Potter, Goblet of Fire. Yes. I'm and pretty he, sure, let me, hold on, let me click here real quick, that he, oh, he just died in 2012. Yeah. Um, that he was the, the old man in the very first scene okay. of... And, of that and, movie. And he also did a lot of voices in Teletubbies, which I'm not sure is a good thing, but, uh, and then uh, Elaine, he, Ca- he was working, ahead. he was working, yeah, yeah. he was working. And then Elaine Cassidy played Lydia, uh, the mute servant girl. So, you know, these three show up and they're looking for work and it's, you know, Nicole Kidman's characters. Oh, geez, it just so happens my servants left. So, you know, obviously, uh, so you must've seen the advertisement, but, oh, wait, the advertisement was never picked up by the mailman. So how did you know I was looking for? So right away, that's one of the first little twists that you see. Right. And and something that causes us to deeply suspect uh, Mrs. Mills, Mr. Tuttle and Lydia, you know, as we think, yes. and, and uh, well, we'll continue on, but I mean, there's, there's stuff that goes on throughout the whole movie that just increases our suspicion of them till we think that they're up to something um, very devious. Now, one of the first interesting things that you see is in the house, every time you go through a door, you have to lock it behind you immediately. And you've, you know, she's, I guess, are those skeleton keys? I guess that's what they are. The, the yeah. Well, oh, she's got the key. huge key ring. That there's like, what she says, like, there's like 15 keys, 15 for, 50, keys yeah. for 50 doors. Yeah. Um, and, so, you know, right because we don't know why she does this. So kind of that first impression of Grace is that she's a little batty, you know, right. and that because we don't know the reason for it. And so we think she's just weird. Uh, we find out the reason, though, soon enough. Right. Uh, we find out early on there's no electricity in the house. But, you know, that's explainable. And, and she explains it that. You know, when when the Germans were nearby, you know, they cut the power and they just, you know, she just never really had it restored yeah. and they they got used to living without it. How, uh, how, how British of her. <laughs> yes. yes. It was just like, oh, they cut off the, we, we learned to live without electricity, so we just now just keep on carrying on without it. So it's just like, really? <laughs> right. Now, you mentioned already about the medical condition that the children have that, you know, as you said, they're allergic to light. So all the blinds and curtains are drawn whenever they're awake. So, you know, th- there's this whole sense of darkness throughout the house. I mean, that's all, you know, everything you see is dark. It's so spooky. You know, just, and, and, you know, it's so funny because the movie creates this, this sense of suspense and terror, not by having things jump out at you, but just like, just the whole the uh, you know, the the setting and and everything is just like oh it's just super 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 creepy everything about it right the and, whole and, house and the servants and the kids and ah uh, right just, and even then when we do see outside you know like for instance when Mrs Mills and the others uh, show up at the door and you, you know, we at least see a little bit outside it's you know there's always this, this fogginess yeah. and this mist and and certainly you know it's it's kind of like the the typical and, and I know Jersey's not England but you know that that part of the world with you know we have the idea that it's you know the sun never seems to be shining and it's certainly not shining in this film sure yeah yeah that the all enveloping fog that just 
you know, she goes out to to find the priest, right? And then she gets lost in the fog. How terrifying is that to be in the fog and not even be able to find your way back to where you were before because you've become disoriented and you don't know where you are, what direction you're going. Just completely terrifying. Right. Now, you know, Wayne already mentioned about the the fact that the reveals that, you know, are in this film are are just, you know, you you just don't want to know ahead of time. But when you look at this film for the second time, it's like everything starts to make sense, right? So, uh, which doesn't take like a lot of times, like okay, like the sixth sense. When you watch it the second time, you're like, eh, you know what, this movie's maybe not that great, right? Yeah. But, like but, it's, because it's all the, just the shock of the reveal. This movie, despite knowing the uh, the reveal, it's still. I was still jumping. Well, sure, but I mean, yeah. I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, you, 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 okay, so we know how it turns out. So right. now we go back to the beginning, and you know, w- when she tells Grace that I, I used to work here, you know, that these were the best years of my life, and this house means a lot to us, right? You know, so that we find out that all three of them. So then immediately we're thinking like, oh, geez, I wonder what happened. Okay, you know, maybe the house got sold, and and this, you know, the servants were were changed. You know, any new owner brings in his or well, her own but, servants. But we don't think that the first time we see this, we think she did something terrible and that's why she got turned out, you know, because she seems very devious and dark and evil. So kind of the assumption, well, maybe not necessarily at first, but very quickly, uh, you know, we don't trust Mrs. Mills and we think she's up to something. So we assume that the reason why she's not working there anymore is, is and then we start to think that she's a ghost, right? Because sure. there's this all this supernatural stuff happening, right. and and even though Nicole Kidman hears the the sounds upstairs or whatever, and then looks out in the yard and sees Lydia and Mrs. Mills in the yard, well, you know, as watchers of supernatural movies, we can explain that away easily. Well, she's a ghost. She could be upstairs one minute, outside the next, because she's a ghost, right? Sure, absolutely. Um, now, you know, there's a lot of religious, you know, you know elements to this film. And, I don't. I don't think this was approved necessarily by the Catholic Church. Well, no, probably not. But uh, you know, nonetheless, Grace's character is deeply religious. You know, she she's deeply Catholic, and at various points, she's praying the Rosary. Um, and you know, her faith is. You know, some might call her a little bit over the top in her faith. I think most people would call her over the top. The Pope might even call her over the top, um, because well, but it's you know. What better religion to pick than Catholicism as for for to portray a woman who has a very dogmatic view of the world? Everything to her is straight up black and white. Here it is, just as the as your catechism tells you, that's how it is. You know, and she with the kids, they're not studying geometry or science or literature. She just flat out has them reading the Bible all the time. You know, I, I guess it's at this point where, you know, she starts to suspect that, you know, perhaps there's something supernatural in, in the house, and she wonders why, the you know, about getting the priest to come there, and, and I guess we assume to bless the house. Um, yeah, or do, yeah, she says to bless, but, you know, right, probably right. she kind of maybe means some kind of... Exorcism is not sanctioned per se by the Catholic Church. So. Right, and I'm not sure we see enough even at that point. To, to think that's what the case is. But that's also where she utters her line that you mentioned already is that she's beginning to feel totally cut off from the rest of the world. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Now it's not too long after that that you you know Mrs. Mills throws out the line that is kind of our first aha moment, and that's when she explains to Grace that you know sometimes the world of the dead gets mixed up with the world of the living. Yeah, and, and ironically, we think, well, I mean, she is dead, but we think that Grace is living, so we we uh, we assume that she means that she's a ghost and that uh, me as a ghost and you as the living human being need to right. learn how to coexist. Exactly, right. This is our house. We're coming back, so we're all going to live here one one happy family. We'll be the servants. You be the mistress of the home. We're a happy family, we're a happy family, we're a happy family, me, mom, and daddy. But no. So she's got to go to the priest, and, and you know, it, it's the fog and the mist. And who comes out of the fog and the mist? Charles. Charles, her husband, who's which, been— At which point, we are, like, really like, what? Yeah. And uh, it's good to see Christopher Eccleston. It's also—it's uh, really weird to see Christopher Eccleston with hair. Yeah, with like long hair. With long hair. I mean, you know, obviously he's not bald, but yeah, I mean, right. as the doctor, I, I can't think of another role that he's been in where he's had long hair. No. I think no. even even like Shallow Grave, he had like super short hair. Obviously, 28 Days Later, I, I, everything I've seen him in, he was yeah. actually had a bit part in 24-Hour Party People, mm-hmm. which I think he had long hair in there, but I think it was a wig. No, he but, was in G.I. Joe, Joe Rise of the Cobra, and he had short hair also. Yeah, it was it was it was disconcerting. It takes right. a while. I remember the first time saying like that guy kind of looks. And at the time, I'd just seen Shallow Grave. I'm like, oh, that's a guy from Shallow Grave. You know, well, 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 but what's especially disconcerting though is he, as he comes out of the fog and the mist, and and, and Grace recognizes him and, and you know goes to him, is that he's just got this vacant, blank stare on his face and just seems to have you know just everything drained out of him. Right, and and we assume it's like he's suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Right, right. That he's been in the war, he's done and seen terrible things, and that's probably why he's home, uh, because he's you know, got what, I think they still call it shell shock, yeah. but that, that's the reason. But you know, we look at it, especially when we, he says that, you know, Annie told me, like Annie knows something. Right. You know, even early on in the movie, she said, it happened, and, and Nicholas is like, it, it didn't happen. You know, Nicholas, who wants to, he's like kind of a mama's boy and wants to hold on to the world as, as his mother portrays it. Uh, Annie, who's a little older and a little bit more rebellious, um, she seems to know something that she won't tell Grace what she knows, but there's something that happened that Annie knows about that Nicholas refuses to see. She tells this to her father, and uh, he's so de- depressed he has sex with his wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and you know the other thing we forgot to mention, you know, they, they start throwing little things out there, like you know, you mentioned about you know the mother having them study, uh, you know, religious uh, texts, uh, the Bible in particular, obviously. Um, and at one point, yeah, I, I guess it's punishment. Uh, the mother separates them to study, and one of them says, "Well, what if we see a ghost?" And as uh, you know, obviously that becomes pretty significant as the story goes on. Uh, Grace hears a child crying, sees that neither of her children are crying, and Annie tells her, "Oh, well, that's Victor crying." And you right. know, well, and also she says that ghosts don't exist. And again, in her dogmatic view, the Catholic Church denies the existence of ghosts. Right. There are right. no such things as ghosts. So obviously that's what she says. The Church says there's no such thing as ghosts. There's no such thing as ghosts. So please stop paying attention to the noises up from the upstairs hallway where there is no one. <laughs> 
Right. Even though apparently Victor opens the curtains while they're sleeping. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I like I knew it. Like I've seen this movie like three or four times. And I jumped out of my seat. Yeah. When he touched Nicholas. Yeah. When Victor touched him, I was like, ah I you know, if uh, I think I probably screamed like a oh, I was just oh, oh, I was so scared. And I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. And I still, well, maybe, maybe I forgot though. Cause ah, man, that scared me last night. Woo. Another, you know, again, another reveal. Um, Grace is, uh, I think at this point, the kids are, does she discover the kids are missing? You know, when she, when she finds the photograph. R- right. Yes. The kids are, but before that, there's the, the freaky part where, um, Anne is uh, in her first communion dress. And, oh, right. Yeah, you know, and then Grace comes up to to find. And this actually was this this scene was parodied in a in scary movie. Um, that uh, so she goes upstairs and, and it's an old lady inside the first communion dress. And that was oh, like, okay. I didn't even. I, I, I well, the first time I said I had no idea what to make of that at all. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, Grace, she finds it. I, I can't remember if it was like in between the cushions or whatever, but it was an old photograph dated 1891, and it's what she they call it. She called it a death photo. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So what it was was Mrs. Mills, Mr. Tuttle, and uh, Lydia dead. You know, yeah. lot, lot. You know, they were laid out dead. Right, because they they established that earlier because uh, she found. The book uh, in the upstairs room. Right. She found a book of of these photographs. Like how macabre. You know, how, right. Right. How, Mrs. Mills like, explains to her that that's what people did back then. Right. That is just oh they they like the pictures of babies and next to the father on the bed that they're both dead. And they they took a picture. That's just like oh yeah. How's like oh my god. That's like the spooky out of all the spooky things in the in that movie. That has got to be the creepiest. Right. Now, set against that, though, was when the kids are outside and they discover the gravestones. And remember, now, before, earlier in the movie, uh, Mrs. Mills tells Mr. Tuttle to basically, he's burying them in leaves. Well, then later on, she says, no, I think it's time they see, you know, the gravestones. And the children discover that it's actually, the gravestones are actually, you know, Mrs. Mills. Uh, Mr. Tuttle and uh, Lydia and Lydia. You keep stumbling over that name, so I figured I'd help you out this yes, time. Yes, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, again, like just creepy, creepy, creepy stuff. You know, like that whole shot where Miss Mills like, "Oh, you better get that covered up that bit," and yeah, you know, yeah. then they show the 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 angle from the the leaf pile with them in the background, and you see just the corner of a of a you know of a cro- of a um, gravestone sticking up. I, again, which only enhances our distrust of of uh, Mr. Tom, Mrs. Mills, and and uh, 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 Lydia. Right, but at least we now have evidence from the text that they are dead. Yes, okay. more more than enough evidence from the yeah, text. more than enough. So uh, now the other thing I found interesting, you remember then when the three of them are outside and they want to come in, and they they can't come in. Right. So what's that all about? Right. Is it that they have to be let in? They're ghosts. Why can't they get through a door? Yeah, uh, because they don't. They don't know that. I guess. Or well, you know, just like uh, you know, Mrs. Mills is kind of all about. She knows Grace has to go through this journey basically herself. 
she grace has to come to the realization she can't be forced into it uh she can't be persuaded she has to realize the truth of the situation so it might be just she's just letting grace figure it out you know yeah yeah here there's be. some space but and this is again mrs mills tells her that you know they've got to all learn to live together the living and the dead right so you know reinforcing that uh, again uh you know, again, a lot of the religious themes center around the children. You know, Annie says that, uh, you know, she goes through that thing that uh, children that admitted to being Christians had their heads cut off. And she says, well, they were stupid for doing that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, the mother comes in and, and, and gives them, you know, both the children, uh, you know, basically a, a lecture about, you know, standing up for your faith. And, uh, you know, because both children admitted that, uh, well, no, I yeah. wouldn't have admitted to being Christians. Yeah. Okay. They said, I would have believed it in my heart, but told them you right. know, the outside. So. And, and mother, mother says, well, that's fine, but what about the next life? And then that's when they get into their discussion of the four levels of hell. Yeah. And, and again, so like, you know, the children who like see things, I guess, more pragmatically, um, and and Anne, who not Anne, uh, Grace, who s- sees things dogmatically, yeah, and and the whole idea of, well, there's a heaven and there's a hell. That's the afterlife, plain and simple, right? right. There's no brooking the question. That's it, right? Um, and you know, and then we've got the scene where you know Anne, basically, I mean, she's told her mother that you know, yes, I've seen the, this boy Victor, and uh, you know, of course, mother thinks she's lying. Uh, tells her she needs to ask forgiveness for lying, and, and she's very insistent that look, I saw him. I'm not going to ask forgiveness for something I didn't do. And then the, you know they get into the big discussion about limbo, and like you mentioned in the Project X, that you know limbo. You know one, one interpretation is that it's for unbaptized children, and and like you said, it's certainly not uh, an acceptable you know idea in the Catholic Church officially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Not anywhere in, I don't think there's anything in, in, in official Catholic dogma that uh, admits to the existence of, of right. Rambo. So, you know, then we start to wonder well, is Victor speaking through Annie? You know, is, and we assume, you know, Victor is, you know, well, look, if Mrs. Mills and the others are ghosts in this house, then it stands to reason that's probably what Victor is. Yes, uh, absolutely. Victor is we we assume is a ghost, and that's obviously what she, Grace thinks as well, because she wants to uh, ask the priest about anything, right? Or is that is that part of the reason she goes to the priest because she wants to find out like about any families that that yes. there, are, yeah, yeah, of of families who previously lived there. So you know that's yeah. she, obviously that's where even though she had just declared the kids, there's no such thing as ghosts. Uh, clearly, she is uh, moving that direction as right. far as thinking. Right now, now Charles, the husband, you know, who, who's come back, Christopher Eccleston, uh, asks his wife about that day, which kind of parallels when you know Annie's talking to Nicholas about uh, the mother going mad, just like she did that day. So now we're like, okay, what happened? Exactly, and this is the day that Annie mentioned way back in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So we're like, what? What is? It? What are they talking about? You know? Yeah. Yeah, um, the kids sneak out of the house, and and of course it, it's that perfect. You know, they sneak out in the night because they have that condition, so they can't leave the house during the day. And you know, we certainly uh, foresee doom that uh, you know ends up not necessarily occurring. 
But, but there's also that great shot where Nicholas is shimmying down the water pipe and Anne looks up at him and like smiles like 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 a proud big sister. Yeah. Like, you know, he's he's finally being brave and stepping up and, and doing something, not being a little sniveling little mama's boy, but he's you know, he's becoming more of a man. Yeah. Yeah. And I I love that that shot and that look on her face that the that actress has is awesome. Now the uh we get to the climax. I mean, are we are we ready to? It's time. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> well, of so... course, the, we we warn people a million times that if you know, only to proceed if they've seen it before. So probably the whole time, just like get to it already. Right. Right. So uh, we're in the climax of the movie, and we see that there's a séance being held in the house by people that we later learn are the present owners of the but house. But at the time, the first time I saw it, I'm like, WTF? Like, what is this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yep. And so now we learn that, whoa, wait a minute. Nicole Kidman and her kids aren't actually the owners of the house. And we learn that Grace and her kids have been haunting them since they moved in, which to quote Wayne, WTF. Right. Because they're like, we still think, like, even though, like, the, 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 you know, the old lady's a medium and she's writing stuff down and it's like how they did that that's so wild because you know if the the convention of the medium sitting there talk to me goes it's so cheesy Uh, and cheap uh, right i'm not lying wayne i'm getting goosebumps right now i swear and and but so they have the lady writing and the man reading what she's writing which is coming and she's writing down what nicole kidman is saying whoa yeah. Wow. Like I said, like goosebumps. Yeah. Even just saying it like now, like it still freaks me out. I've seen this again, as many times as I've seen that, that scene just still freaks me out. The first time I was just confused. I'm like, I started to think, and then, then she rips up the paper. Yep. And then and, it, and throws it right. And, and just the, the way they, they cut the film is that you see Nicole Kidman rip it up and throw it. And then you see what these people see, which is just paper flying in the air. Yeah, at which point I'm like, you know, now like you know, this like, everything brings me back to the very first time I saw this movie, and it's all of a sudden it, like dawns on you. It's like, oh my god, oh my god, because it's just yep. did not see it coming at all. Maybe right. if I were a more alert watcher, I probably would have seen it coming, but I didn't. Not at all. That is one of the most shocking moments. In a movie, even more than The Sixth Sense, uh, when when just to see that paper being torn up by in, in corporal form, wow! Right, right, <laughs> wow! There were enough clues, you know, the whole thing. Oh yeah, about there, there about are... the no no, but I mean about you know the living having to coexist with the dead, and there's no reason to think that Nicole Kidman and her children aren't the living. Uh, absolutely. So you know, I, I'm not even sure it's fair to say that if you'd been more observant, I mean, you can only observe what's there. Sure. So, um, you know, so, so we find out there is that there's always that, that, that one day, the reminder of the one day, right. And then Charles showing up and then disappearing. Yep. And then, you know, all that. So, I mean, there, there is stuff there, but uh, there's no, I did not see that coming. So then we, cause we're not done people. So we find out that what, you know, because now it's like, okay, well, if those three are dead, then how'd they die? Okay. So we, we do find out that Mrs. Mr. Tuttle, uh, Mrs. Mills, and Lydia died from tuberculosis. Yes. 
Right. So she does mention that so there's probably a tuberculosis out, outbreak. In well, the they town. did. It's in, in 1898. Yeah. So, and uh, Mrs. Uh, Mills talks about it, says how, how many people in town were wiped out. And that's why they have all these the pictures of the dead. Those are p- victims of the, uh, the, the, the tuberculosis outbreak. Right. But uh, what we find out is that Grace smothered her two children with a pillow and then shot herself in the forehead. Is that what she said? Yep. I like Kurt Cobain. Oh, wow. So then the question is, why? What leads her to do that? Well, as they said, mommy went a bit mad. Yeah, but why? I mean, is it that, you know, was it news that, uh, I mean, was it uh, the fact that her husband had been missing in action? Was uh, Did she perhaps find out that he was dead and kept it from the I don't children? I think so, because when she sees Charles, remember, she right after she killed herself, she said she heard the children laughing. And right. she thought she'd been saved by a miracle. To her mind, she's still, everything's... As is everything's good against the, the, a very devout Catholic woman. Remember, so don't say that this is crazy. I mean, it's crazy, yes, but this is a very religious woman who believes in miracles, who believes in her name is Grace, right? She believes right. in the power of grace and that these things happen. And so, when she shoots herself in the head and then hears her children laughing right afterwards, she assumes it's some kind of divine miracle, and so she continues living her life as she had before, which includes her not knowing about her husband. Right. So I definitely don't think she definitely didn't know uh, that, that he was dead. I, you know, it's just from what we picked up, it's, we assume it's just her, the, the isolation and the pressure and the stress, the incredible stress of having to care for two children uh, who can die if a ray of sunlight hits them. Right. Now you also mentioned the, well, of course the ray of sunlight hit them is because they're dead, right? Yes, but I'm saying before they die. Okay, you know, just, right. we're, we're trying to say, why Why would she kill her own children? She loves her children. Obviously, we see that. Why would she kill them? And, you know, I just, you know, it's like this kind of, you know, okay. just, she just, she went cr- crazy from, we assume from this. And she seems a little high strung in the first place. Oh, yeah. And, and, and then, now, I'm not justifying what she did. Obviously, it's horrific. It's right. absolutely horrific. But, you know, it was probably came out of, just going insane from the, from the, just the whole stress of the situation. Right. Now, I don't remember if you said this uh, when we were talking earlier in the day or if you said this on the podcast tonight because I have a short attention span, <laughs> as we've noted. But, you know, was it perhaps a reaction to the Nazi occupation? Oh, absolutely. That's absolutely part of it, right? And, and you remember she said that her family evacuated. Now, when, you know, when she said that, did she say – it sounded like she said back in 1915, my family evacuated. Yeah, I don't think that. I I listened to that a couple times. I don't think she said. I think it was you know, 1940. Okay, because it said. sounded like 1915. I'm like, it did. And, and so I, you know, I was like looking to see. Well, did they evacuate people in World War One as well? well right, and, because given everything we'd learned to that point, it it seemed like well, that could be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, okay. 1940. Right. And I was, I was like, I must've heard it wrong because clearly like, so her family, when they evacuated, her family left and, and she held tight, just like at the end of the movie, they're like, this is our house. We're not leaving. You know, again, that, that very British stiff upper lip, 
you know, yeah. hold your ground type of attitude that she had in 1940, she's going to continue to have. You know, this is our house. This is our house. Yep. Um, so, yeah, definitely the, the German occupation, uh, having to deal with her kids, uh, uh, not deal with, you know, having to, to care for her, her children who have this, this, this terrible condition. Uh, and, but, like, things like this really are, I, I think, inexplainable. You know? Yeah. Right. How can you explain a, a mother who kills her own children? No. Uh, it's there, it's beyond comprehension, and when it happens, uh, like like all, so many things, terrible things that happen, we we look for reasons why it happened. But in honest, there's really there's no way. Well, and even in literature, it happens so rarely. I mean, the the first one that comes to my mind is Medea, and you know, sure. in that case, she's killing her children to get revenge against her husband. But still, that it goes right along with what you just said. Even at that, there's. Yeah, I mean, that's just not an acceptable response. Sure. So uh, now there are a couple scenes I jotted down, uh, several of them we, we've we've mentioned already that I, I just had it under a heading that scenes I liked. And, and uh, you know, Grace is walking through one of the closed up rooms and the curtains are open. The furniture's all covered with white sheets and right. it just looked like a room full of ghosts. And, and that... And, that was a scary, scary scene. I, I was telling you today how, you know, when I watched this back in the early aughts, um, that I didn't have surround sound, right? Uh-huh. So now I do, and it is about five times scarier with surround sound. Because in that scene, there's like sounds coming from my back to my right, back to my left. I was like jumping. I'm like turning around like, what was that? You know, like it was freaking me out. I was, I was just crapping my pants during that scene. Mm. Now, now, another one was when Grace he- starts hearing the voices while she's in the room, and that's when Annie shows her the picture she's drawn of, yeah. the, f- of the four people she's seen uh, in the house. Uh, the, the old woman, man, that, right. that picture of the old woman. like ugh. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, uh, the when Annie's looking through the, you know, the old photos in the Book of the Dead, I mean, you know, we've, we've seen this before, but uh, for me, you know, it never gets old, and I guess that's kind of creepy to admit that, but... You know, seeing these old pictures from like the 1870s, 80s, 90s of the dead, you know, laid out almost as if they're sleeping. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So let's just look at if we if we go back to the podcast where we talked about things that are creepy. Let's see how many things the others has. Let's start off with kids. Check. Then we got old people. Check. Old photographs. Check. Old houses. Check. Um, did we say fog? Oh, uh, uh, dark, dark, dark houses, dark alleyways, dark hallways. Well, you got check, 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 check. check. Yeah. So, I mean, like so much of the stuff we mentioned back then, as I'm watching, I like realize I'm like, oh my God, this is like all the stuff that was, that was in that podcast we talked about that, that creeps us out. It's like all in this movie is just like, bam. Yep. Now the final scene I thought was just, just brilliant. You know, the seance is over, and you could pretty much see through the from the seance that, you know, the husband wasn't really buying this haunted house thing, but that his wife was so adamant and so upset that he finally gives in. And, you know, the family's leaving the home, they're in the car, they're driving away, and you just see Victor looking up at the window, and you know who he's looking for. Right. Well, we assume he he sees him. Yeah. Right. We assume, but they and and I love that they don't 
verify it for you. Right, right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, they wouldn't, right? I mean, it's too well-crafted a movie to go cheap like that. Right. You know? So then, you know, it's like, does Victor, you know, is he able to see Annie? And yeah. uh, we guess, yeah. But yeah, and let me take one step further. I was thinking about this as I'm watching this movie. You could almost make a whole other movie about this from Victor's family's point of view. Can yeah. you imagine what it must have been like? Yeah. With Anne going around opening the curtains all the time, just seeing the, the, the curtains blatantly open in front of him. The piano, the, the dad is sitting there playing the piano. Anne comes up, closes it, locks it, you know, yeah. opens the door. Like you see that. She like opens the door, she slides it open very carefully, and all of a sudden the piano playing stops. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's a human being playing the piano. All of a sudden the door opens and he knows what's happening. Right. And yeah. then the piano just closes like, oh, my, like just from their point of view, like, what are you doing in this house? You know, like wh- how many times does this have to happen for you to still be in this house? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That, that would, I, I would have been so out of there long ago. Like what need is there for a seance when you've seen all this stuff? Right. Now, you know, we had the, the whole question about or, or the statement about, you know, the living having to coexist with the dead. So. Do, do we assume Christopher Eccleston's character is dead? I mean, is there any? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, there's no way that he's, you know. I, I think part of his, you know, kind of like his his despair or depression is this realization that something is not quite right. Right. But see, I guess the thing I, I wonder, you understand she killed her children. Yeah. Which is a sin. Yeah. She kills herself, which is a sin. Big one. Okay. But, you know, he's been at war. So, I mean, unless he committed some sort of atrocity, and there's no reason to think he did, you know, anybody that he killed would have been, I mean, I don't certainly think that's considered a sin, right. even in the Catholic Church. Right. So so why is he wandering well, I think with the the movie does not take Grace's point of view. The movie, I think, is clearly saying that there is more to it than just heaven and hell. That you know this this notion of the afterlife takes into consideration, like people who, well, you know, the, the Annie Anne and Grace had this conversation. She says, you know, is Daddy in a war? Is he kill people? Where will he go? And she'll go, well, people who work for the good, people who fight for the good guys, go to heaven. And people who fight for the bad guys go to hell. Right. And then she's like, well, who are the good guys? And then Grace just moves on. Right. You know? So, again, it's like she tries to explain this in this very dogmatic fashion. But when it comes down to it, who are the good guys, who are the bad guys? The Germans are just people, you know, like fighting for their country just as the British and the Americans and the Russians. Everyone is fighting for their country. So, you know, like these easy, quick, snap decisions as to who is right and who is wrong these moral decisions are, are not so easy to make, you know? Yep. Um, so, so I think the, it's pointing out that, um, that there is something kind of in between. Is it a kind of limbo? It's not hell because they're not, I don't think they're punished really. I think once she comes to the realization of what the truth of the matter, well, now the kids, they get to play in the sun now. Right. Right. They get to go outside. They, they get to live Ironically enough, more in death than they ever did while they were actually alive. Right. So that, to me, seems like at the end of the movie, uh, a, they are being rewarded somehow. Like, if, if anything, it's a, some form of a heaven, maybe. 
Right. So, I mean, are they being rewarded for something they've done in, you know, this prior stage that they've been in? Yeah. Or yeah. just maybe death is simply, you know, you just, you don't necessarily move on. You don't go anywhere. You just kind of hang out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. Um, Which would be good if you could still like, you know, like drink beer and stuff would be cool. But, you know, otherwise, you know, might not be that great. I think there's a book called They Drink Beer in Hell, right? Oh, maybe. You never read that? No. Oh, I think the guy's name is Tucker Max. Oh, yeah? Um, And we'll have to talk about this off uh, off the (laughs) (laughs) But I'm pretty sure the book is called They Drink Beer in Hell, don't they? very intriguing title, so. All right, well, if you've been with us this long, then we assume you saw the movie, or if you didn't and you just... We're curious to hear what we're going to say about it. Yeah, I mean, seriously, even though you know, go back because now all the clues will be, you know, be meaningful. But it's just, it's, it's definitely a, a must-see film yeah. if you like Supernatural and if you're, you know, a Lost Girl fan and you're probably a fan of these other. It's just, and there's like we've said, there's just so few good ghost stories. Heck, there are so few bad ghost stories. Right. Well, there's there's loads of bad ghost movies, right? I mean, they're, they're a dime a dozen. Yeah. Um, the really good ones like this are, are really, uh, you know, rare rare gems. So. Yeah. So. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, I mean, I, even despite having seen it a number of times, each time I rewatch it, I still enjoy it. I'm not shocked or surprised, obviously, but it's still a little surprising, even though I know what's coming. Um, it's still such a fantastic movie. And to now see it, uh, you know, the only thing you miss is like that, that sense of, of uh, suspicion for Mrs. Mills the whole time, right? Because yeah. we think she's behind something uh, diabolical. Um, and then only at the end do we realize that she's okay. Uh, when Once you realize that, then you see Fiona Flanagan's character as a very sympathetic character the entire time and someone who's just gradually trying to bring Grace around to the realization of what her situation really is. Right, right. So... But just a just a, fan. a great great call, Dave. By the way, this is, yeah. it was really a treat to go back and watch this movie again. I loved it. All right, cool. All right, so uh, what do we got next on tap? Okay, are we going to go with Evil Dead Two? Absolutely. Okay, Evil Dead Two. It is then. Um, okay. And I know nothing about this. I mean, yeah. I've, I've heard of it, but I really don't know anything about it. It's it's a classic uh, of kind of. It's been ages since I've seen it, but uh, I remember, like, especially right after college, uh, my friends and I used to watch it a lot, and uh, you know, really liked it. It's it's kind of, it's got like some horror supernatural elements, but also uh, some very funny elements. I think I mentioned this podcast before, uh, Bruce Campbell cutting off his own hand and saying, you know, who's laughing now, you know, and everything. Uh, so I don't know. It's a good one. All right, sounds good. All right, uh, anything else? I think that's it. All right. Well, you can drop us a line at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com. Check out the website, fatalist.podbean.com, and you know, leave us a voicemail. Uh, you can click the green tab at the right side of the page and keep it to 90 seconds or just you know, record your own MP3 and send it to us. Uh, we're on Facebook, and, and you know, I've been trying to at least tweet once a day just to kind of let you guys know what we're – up to what we've got planning to like, you know, remind you to, you know, watch the others uh, and continue accessing us through iTunes. So until next time, when we take a look at Evil Dead 2. I got nothing.
Hey, TV fans. TV Talk connects you with your favorite TV shows like never before. The exciting brand new TV Talk app is here. The TV Talk app brings you fun and informative reviews and info related to your favorite TV shows. Delivered to your smartphone, tablet, or PC every morning. With the free TV Talk app, you can hear what other fans think and even submit your own review clip. The TV Talk app lets you share your feedback clip to Facebook or Twitter so your friends can join in the conversation too. Visit www.tvtalk.com and download the free TV Talk app today.